Once again, we welcome you to Moving Forward with Young Voices. I'm Brian Hyde. It is uh, my privilege to be hosting this week, and we're going to dive right into a topic that uh, I bet most of us would say, oh, I, I've kind of noticed some things going on, but I'll tell you, our, our first guest is going to really open your eyes to something that uh, has been going on right under our noses, and that is the uh, we're seeing the end of the Petro State, and I want to welcome Tamina de Bozorgi. Did I say it right? Yes. Tell me I got, got it. it right. Okay. Uh, Tamina, I, I am so grateful to have you. You're a Young Voices contributor as well as a teacher and an author. Uh, is there anything else about your background that you'd like to tell us about before we delve into this topic? Yes. So uh, I am a um, UCLA graduate, so go Bruins. And also, uh, I'm a very recent immigrant to the United States, and I love this nation more than anything. And I really care about um, our freedoms and our liberties. And and you uh, you have a great love, of course, for um, for Persia, and and we're going to be talking about uh, Iran among other nations. In that, I I have to admit, I've I've been kind of keeping an eye on gas prices just because I've I've had a part time job that required me to see what uh, what are gas prices doing, but. I did not realize that uh, in the year of COVID, which 2020 has pretty much been dominated by COVID, this has been a very, very difficult year for petrostates all around the globe. Why is that? Well, the reason is, I mean, it's obvious we call them petrostates is because these nations primarily depend on oil as their main source of income, meaning these countries, including Saudi Arabia, Iran, Venezuela, Algeria, many, many countries that are part of the OPEC, they, their government uh, funds their national budget through the income they get every year from selling oil to the rest of the world. And as you mentioned, as we have all experienced, I mean, in California, I've bought gas for $2 per gallon. That's very surprising. But when you put right. it in the perspective, you realize, wow, the oil market globally has crashed. And that's extremely bad news for the countries that primarily depend on it because now they have less money. Their budget is fluctuating. They don't know how they can handle it with the ongoing crisis. So what are some of the reasons behind that global crash of the oil markets? Well, the first reason is, of course, due to lockdowns, uh, due to COVID-19, transportation has decreased. Many people are not using airplanes. The aviation is almost shut down in most of the countries. Many of the European nations that are one of, you know, biggest, uh, some of the biggest uh, buyers of uh, the oil from these nations, um, they're under lockdown. So, of course, uh, because of a lower demand uh, for the oil, the price has decreased significantly. Okay. And and for, for those nations that have nationalized oil industries, this is a big deal because so much of what, what actually keeps their country running or their government running, um, it depends on those revenues. So if, if the revenues are in the tank for, um, you know, for, for private oil companies, I imagine this has got to hit those countries that are dependent upon those oil revenues even harder. Yes, of course, because, you know, for example, in the United States, since we have a free market uh, oil companies, you know, they're privatized. Of course, when there's a crash, many of these companies suffer a lot. But since, you know, it's a free private market, they can absorb a lot of the shock and, you know, they can get back on their feet and keep going. And uh, however, if 
the government controls this industry, they can't really handle this shock as well as a free market. And uh, therefore, the entire country is going to be impacted by this shock. Uh, so it's really, really awful uh, when this happens uh, to these countries. And the problem is, of course, nationalized oil and dependency on it. For the most part. I know there was concern being expressed by some within uh, the oil industry, and I'm talking primarily here in America, over um, the the very clear push towards renewable energy. Uh, you know, the Green New Deal was sending some shockwaves out there as, as it was being proposed and, and advanced. Um, has this affected other nations and other, uh, you know, of those uh, petro states around the world, uh, the, the renewable uh, energy? Yes, of course. Uh, I mean, obviously, um, one of the solutions that I think is important to look into, especially for these petro-states, is if they want to remain competitive in the energy market, they have to really shift their gaze from insisting on having a control over oil or depending on oil to other sources of energy. Many of these nations, actually, they have really good educated population. They're mostly young. They're very productive. They have the you know, infrastructure to actually get into the market of the renewable energy. And of course, we know that, um, look at the Tesla stocks, look at all these uh, more renewable energy stocks uh, around the world. They're increasing. It's a, a new market. It's growing across the world. There's a lot of demand for it, of course, in the United States and in the other countries, especially Europe. So the Petro states, I mean, of course, their issue is depending on oil. There are so many ways they can diversify their economy. However, look at the green energy. It's expanding. It's going everywhere. So why don't you just shift there? Why don't you just put your resources and uh, start investing, attracting more domestic and foreign investment into it? So, of course, it's going to yield more benefit. It's going to yield more profit. And it will create more jobs than the uh, oil industry. We know that the oil industry, industry, even though it's really huge, it doesn't create as much as many jobs. However, if you have production, if you have technology going, if you have science, if you have more companies working on green technology, there's competition. More people are going to get hired. More people are going to have income. So the economy will keep going. What about the uh, the instability that comes along with this inability to to continue to, to fund their, their government and, and the various you know infrastructure projects that they, they may be working on? Yes, yes. And that's the biggest problem uh, in a lot of the countries that we talked about. For example, um, in Iraq, 90 percent of the government budget is uh, oil revenues. And uh, the country is currently experiencing a lot of um, instability. And there are many negative consequences that come from this uh, discrepancy in the budget. And since the government can no longer uh, fund its security measures, its military because of this crash, it creates a hostile environment for terrorism and further foreign uh, intervention into their country. And another example that um, was going on for a long time, people were talking about it, is Algeria. um, uh, And another country is Angola and also Nigeria. uh, For example, Nigeria was no longer able to fund its public education because they don't have the oil income as much anymore. Uh, and of course, many of the African countries that depend on oil as a main source of income already struggle with uh, stability in their country and they're no longer able to hold it. Their governments are very fragile. And at any point there can be a, you know, a tipping point where they can no longer hold the peace in the country. Uh, and 
of course, Venezuela and Iran are two other examples that uh, they're very obvious. Iran is one of the countries that has been hit hardest uh, among most of the petronations by COVID-19. And the government has been trying to uh, get involved. However, they're coming short. The inflation is really high and people are struggling to uh, provide necessities for their daily lives. And I have family there still. I hear a lot of news. It's really difficult for them. Uh, and even the uh, price of energy has increased in Iran, even though it's one of the biggest uh, wow. producers of energy. So, yeah, it's it's a big deal. You were explaining to me just before we went on the air that uh, the cost of producing the oil for for these countries can can be incredibly prohibitive. Uh, can you walk us through that briefly here? Uh, for instance, uh, t- take Iran for instance. Um, when it comes to to you know getting that oil out there produced and marketed, um, what kind of costs are they looking at versus what the market is currently supporting? Yes, so the cost of production of oil is very high and. Um, the countries have to sell the oil at a certain price that they can actually yield benefit from it and have some profit. However, when we look at the break events that which was published by IMF, Iran, as an example, has to have $195.60 per barrel to break even with the cost of production. And right now they're selling the oil at, you know, max $40. So you can see Ouch. how much discrepancy is there. <laughs> yes. That's that's got to be brutal. Now, um, the free market, though, you were mentioning in your article is is where likely solutions can be found. Why is that? Well, of course, the free market, as I mentioned, can absorb the shock from this crash. And at the same time, the free market will bring competition. Many countries are able will be able to create more jobs for the people, uh, even if they want to have the oil industry going. Of course, we know that the oil will never go away entirely. But when it's privatized, when there are other competition, when there is market for renewable energies that these countries can invest in, therefore, their economy will grow. Eventually, the government will have other sources of income, such as taxes, that they can uh, you know, benefit from uh, more diversified uh, sources of income rather than just single oil uh, industry that is very volatile. It's very unreliable, and they can't never count on it. They can never have uh, a long-term plan when the oil market is very volatile, and they depend on it. All right, Tamina Debozorgi, I appreciate you taking the time to be on Moving Forward with Young Voices here on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. Um, we'll have a link to your article in the show notes, and I hope we get a chance to talk again soon. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me today.